Welcome to the Impale Forward Podcast. I'm John McCann. This is Leon Hines, the founder and driving force behind the Impale movement. Leon, we've been talking about this podcast for a minute. Mm-hmm. We're finally here in front of the microphones. I do have to ask, why the name Impale for this podcast? Well, uh, the word impale means to drive, force, or urge someone to do something. And that is my intentions with the podcast, to uh, just inspire people to, you know, whatever their dreams or goals, aspirations are, to go forth and do it. You know, impale for it. Don't let anything hold them back. Well, you certainly have the life story to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for full disclosure, I mean, you and I know each other, right. Leon. Right. You, used, you used to cut my hair. We're, at, we're in, your, in your barbershop mm-hmm. right now. Um, and when, at the time... When you were when you were my, were my barber, I was working for the local newspaper, right. so I had the opportunity to share with the community your story, mm-hmm. and part of your story is having spent some time in prison. Right, you went to prison for uh, attempted murder, armed robbery. Man, I forgot the the attempted murder part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a serious. Right, and you did how much time? Seven and a half years. I was sentenced to thirty years, but. I did seven and a half years. All right, so now you kind of got my eyes open. Um, staring at You were staring at 30 years. Right. All right, so let me re- rewind a little bit before we get there because mm-hmm. that's, that's a whole bunch to unpack. Armed robbery, mm-hmm. you don't just wake up in the morning, I don't presume, and start committing armed mm-hmm. robberies. Right. What took you down that road? Um, maybe just growing up, started getting in trouble in elementary school, uh, Couple, couple of fights here and there. Uh, I was a class clown, so getting in trouble in class, having to get put in the hallways, always writing sentences. Uh, I got suspended. Now, I, I was a class clown, too. Right. My parents nipped that in the bud, so what, mm-hmm. you didn't have that solid home training? Uh, I did, but my father, he was gone. He he left when I was probably uh, around five years old, mm-hmm. four years old. Uh, just me and my mother my two sisters, you know, so... She, my mother, she was the disciplinary in in the house. You know, I I had a stepfather, and he um, she didn't allow him to discipline us. So she uh, she did all the discipline. All right. right. So getting in trouble in school, that progressed. You started, I guess, hanging out with the wrong cats. Yeah, I was still at home, but well, not the wrong. I wouldn't say the wrong cats. It was my friends in the neighborhood, just doing what boys do. You know, we was stealing bikes. Uh, riding in stolen cars, uh, fighting, doing doing whatever you know, what boys do in the neighborhood. You talk about getting sentenced to that time out of your crew. Mm-hmm. Are you the only one who went to jail, went to prison? Uh, not for, but no, not for that charge. I had a partner with me. Okay, you know, it was, but a lot of guys in my neighborhood did do time. All right, right. So man, you you get popped. You know, it's it's time to go to court. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned working for a local newspaper. Mm-hmm. One of my assignments was covering the courthouse right. at one particular time. So I watched, man, a lot of young guys get those handcuffs and get shuffled out mm-hmm. after the judge um, hands that, that sentence down. Right. I rem- you know, I remember the moms and, and loved ones in the audience. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that day when you got your sentence? Uh, yeah, I do uh, a little bit. I um I knew I was getting sentenced to 30 years because I took a plea. And it's the first plea I took, I just took it because uh, I was ready to go ahead and do my time. Uh, my family and friends was in the courtroom, walked in, uh, judge said what he had to say, gave me, sentenced me to 30 years. 
uh, my family crime, you know, everybody crying, you know. But I, I knew what I was getting. I knew what I was facing. Mm. Yeah. Was the was the, um, the the person against whom you committed the crime, was he in the courtroom? Uh, I don't remember. I do remember reading reading something where he said he, he didn't, he felt like I was a victim of my environment. Mm. He didn't really want to, he didn't want to press charges, but with a crime that violent, yeah. you know, the state will take it over and, you know, ain't no way around it. All right. So, man, the judge, the judge hands down his sentence. Mm -hmm. um, you leave that courtroom staring at 30 years. Mm -hmm. You get to the facility. Mm -hmm. Take us through that, that entry point. Well, before I got actually to the facility, I had to go back to, I was in a detention center. I got sentenced at the age of 16 to 30 mm -hmm. years. I did a crime when I was 15, but got sentenced at 16. So I had to go back to, now I had to go back to the county jail to wait to get shipped off, you know. Okay. But even before then, before I even went to the county, before I went to court, I was in the detention center. And um, I just remember, I cried that day I went in there because I, I knew I hurt my mother. Mm. And I knew, she would always tell me, you keep running in the streets. I'm not going to take my money to come and help you get out, you know. But the as soon as I got in trouble, she was right there. Man. You know, her and my family, you know, grandmother, aunts, trying to put land. Um, had, my grandfather had some land. They were trying to, you know, put it up to get me out. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the lawyer may have said, uh, just let them stay in there and get time. You know, that would count as my time. Wow. So my time served. All right. I, I keep hearing these similarities, man, because mm -hmm. I remember my mama telling me the same thing. If right. you ever get locked up, right. I'm not going to get you. I believed her. Right. Yeah. Did you believe your mom when she told you that? Uh, I can't say that I did or didn't because hmm. I was I was just in the streets, you know. Just, just family members used to come out there to the corner, you know, try to get me to come home. She used to try to get me to come home. I can't say I did or didn't. I, just, I was just out there. All right. You know? So you get ready to go and, and you start serving your time. Mm -hmm. You know, in the, in the movies, we, we hear that big metal door slam. Mm -hmm. Is that a real thing? Uh, it's got something similar. So when I actually went to, after I got my time and got shipped off to prison, you know, I had this big gate, metal gate, mm. and you go once you go through, you know, you can hear it slam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so so that thing slams, and I'm assuming you're thinking, I got 30 years in here, man. Was that yeah. the thought? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I didn't know actually how much time I was gonna do. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew I was gonna be gone for a while. And that's why I was ready to go ahead and get sentenced, go, and just get started on it. All right. I, I knew it was going to be a long road. All right. Yeah. So we fast forward. It turns out it wasn't that long. You said seven and a half years? Seven and a half years off of 30 years. How would you get that time reduced? Um, back then they had what you call gain time. So gain time is when you say, like, you got different jobs, kitchen, clothes house, canteen, which is a store inside the prison. Mm -hmm. And you each job you can get send it, days cut off off of months. Like I can, if I'm in the kitchen, I may get 16 days cut off that month. That was under the old law. Hmm. Yeah. So. So I guess you you must have been a potato peeling, dishwashing <laughs> fool in there, man. To get go from 30 years to seven and a half. I mean, what's, I yeah, mean, I kept a job. You know, I made sure every every camp I went to, I kept a job. So like, I mean, wouldn't all everybody be clamoring to get these kind of jobs, and like nobody does their full sentence? Uh, yeah, but you know, it's only, you know, it, 
they can't everybody can't get a job, you know. Some hmm. even even in school, if you go to school inside there, you get six days off. Okay. You know, but, but back then, you know, that's how it was. So, so what? It, it, it wasn't any great recession back, great resignation back then. <laughs> everybody was keeping those jobs. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and again, like we smile about it now, and laugh right. about it now, man. Right. But like, was at the time, this it was some some real serious stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I was gonna be away. I know I was gonna miss my family. Mm. You know. Two sisters and my mother, my grandmother. You know, mm-hmm. I knew I was gonna be away for a while. Any yeah. bad stuff you experienced in there, like fights, anything like that? Oh uh, yeah. Well, I got in a fight um, probably four months after after I um, got there. You know, mm-hmm. probably less than that. You know, got in a fight in the clothes. I had a job in the clothes house. Uh, me and a guy was talking. You know, going back and forth and put his hands in my face. And I actually took me two days to react because you know he had been there for a while. And I didn't. You know, I was trying to fill everything out, mm-hmm. and it just sat on my mind. Like, I know I can't let this go down like that. So. Why? Because that's, that's how I am. You know, I was wired like that. You know, I, if, you know, he, he actually put his hand in my face, you know, just kind of mushed me. And so I knew that if you let, if you let something like that go, go down and don't do nothing, like, people would try to take advantage of you and stuff like that. So This is what, like prison stories you've, you've heard or your instincts has told you that? No, nah, no, nah, just, just me, you know, mm-hmm. my instincts, you know. But I mean, on the street, you know, you're from Fayetteville. Right. On the streets of Fayetteville, you fought cats. Right. I mean, what's the difference in a, a street fight in Fayetteville versus a prison fight? Well, and there you, you see them every day, you know. You see people every day, you locked up, you're not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. You got to do what you got to do. So, like, so seven and a half years mm-hmm. sounds like a drop in the bucket, pardon the cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, was it, was it easy? Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't easy at all. Um, it was, the main thing is, I think one of the hardest things about that is missing your family, you know. Mm-hmm. When you, when you get in trouble, you run the streets, you get locked up, hurting p- other people, you not you don't only only hurt yourself, you hurt your family. So that's one of the, one of the hardest things about it, you know. And then just being in there, you have to look at, you know, watch your back every day, mm-hmm. uh, getting told what to do every day. Uh, you know, you you're actually basically a slave to the prison. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you mentioned that family piece, right. and as we record this, it's November now. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is coming up. Right. Christmas is coming up. Mm-hmm. So you did seven. Thanksgivings and Christmases right. behind bars, man. Right. It had to be rough. Oh yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, like I say, you, you're missing the family get-togethers on the outside. You know, um, people. You know, you might get some pictures. You call them home. Your family, they, you hear them laughing in the background. Everybody getting on the phone, and you only got I think maybe it was ten minutes on the phone. So mm. everybody jumping on. You trying to talk to everybody. You know, rushing to talk mm-hmm. to everybody. Mm-hmm. But you know, they was able to bring food and stuff around. I don't remember it was Thanksgiving, but I know around Christmas time. Right. Yeah. Was that so? That that felt good for them to be able to bring you something during the holidays, yeah, but right, right. not the same. No, thing. definitely not the same. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. All right. So so you're in there. You're doing your time. You're working your time down. Mm-hmm. And what you got a calendar? Or, nah, or, or, no. Calendar. So writing on the wall that's like, hey, my time is coming down. Yeah. Well, actually, I you don't really know. You know, all, all you can do is wait for you to come up for parole, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't know if they're going to say yes or no, you know. So just do your time and, you know, just hope for the best. Where were you on that prison yard when you got the news that you getting ready to get out? 
Uh, I got to actually, you know, they pass out in the mail in the dorms. I got a letter, you know, saying I was up for parole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe the counselor, maybe a week, a month later, maybe called me to the counselor's office, told mm-hmm. me I was going home. Did you, did you know what that meeting was going to be about? No, I didn't. So it was a surprise no. to you? Yeah, it was a surprise. All right. Yeah. And, and so when, when that counselor told you, hey, it's, it's done, it's over, mm-hmm. you know, um, did you already have a plan in place in these previous seven years that right. when I get out, this is what I'm going to do? Well, I knew I was going to be a barber. You know, I grew up in a barber shop. My stepdad was a barber, had a barber shop right outside the neighborhood. You know, he cut everybody, you know, police officers, drug dealers, you know, people in school. You know, he cut everybody. So mm-hmm. uh, I knew I was going to be a barber. So, all right. yeah. Man, so it sounds like, I mean, again, I'm not trying to minimize it at all because I can't imagine doing seven days, seven right. hours, much right. less seven and a half years. Right. But, like, you make it sound easily. Like, you, you get out mm-hmm. and you jump into this barbershop? Uh, no. Nah. Like, it's like that? No, nah, it, wasn't, it wasn't that easy. Okay. It may seem Talk like me it. through like, that. You still got to, you know, once you come home, you, you have to, like, I work. Worked for different temp agencies. Well, when I came first came home, my aunt had a cleaning business. Mm-hmm. I had an uncle who had a plumbing business, and I worked for both of them. Okay, you know, made a little money here and there. But after I stopped working with them, I had to. I went to school for a little bit, Durham Tech. Um, but then I quit because I needed to make some money, so I had to find a job. So um, worked for a, a drug company. Um, worked for them for a while through temp agency. Mm-hmm. Um, Got hired on permanent, you know, because mm-hmm. they liked the way I worked. Mm-hmm. And then, but eventually they moved out of town, and they moved too far. So I knew I wasn't going that way. So they gave me the package. Yeah. And I start. I went to barber school from there. Okay. Yeah. Let's clear up a misconception about people who get incarcerated, mm-hmm. and the stereotype being these are lazy folks mm-hmm. who don't want to work, who don't have a work ethic. Right. But describing yourself. Mm-hmm. At least, at least you are somebody who was not afraid to work once right. you got out. Right. Uh, did you develop that work ethic while you were in prison? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just knew I wasn't going back. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew I was going to work. I knew I was going to make, make something of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't going to let that hold me back. And, and not going back because it was so harsh in prison, or just the, the lack of freedom, or, or what? Well, look. Both lack of freedom, um, just having to be in there away from your family. Yeah. Uh, life is definitely better on the outside than it is on the inside, you know. Um, I just knew I wasn't going back, you know. Okay. Yeah. Well, Lee, if I look at you, I know when you were cutting my hair, mm-hmm. you were working for somebody. Right. Now you work for yourself right. in a whole different setup. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling you a success. Right. Um, for somebody listening to this mm-hmm. or watching this, mm-hmm. Who might be in between jobs? Right. Who might be underemployed? Who has goals that they just haven't found a way to achieve? Mm-hmm. This podcast is going to help them get there. How? Uh, just by listening, just by you know listening to the podcast, listening to the people I bring on, talking about their obstacles and how they overcame and how they impelled forward and just keep moving. You know, we all have dreams and goals and aspirations. Sometimes we need that push. Sometimes we might need to watch a podcast. To, oh man, that's a great story. I can if he did it, I can do it. You know, so All right. that's the thing. All right, Lee, we're just getting into your story. Looking forward to hearing more. Looking forward mm-hmm. to the guests mm-hmm. that you're gonna bring on. Right. And I'm looking forward to to sharing this with you guys on the Impel Forward podcast. 
Thank you for tapping in to the Impel Fort podcast. That was my story. Tune in to the next time where I'll bring you another guest who has also impelled forward.